to our audience online as well this morning. Um, it's always a privilege. Let me lower this. Okay. To stand um, behind the pulpit and preach the word of God to to the people of God. Um, this is something that I do not take for granted at all. So I really thank God for this opportunity, and likewise, I thank um, the eldership of the church uh, for this great opportunity. So just like Nick said, uh, today we'll be looking into the um, fourth spiritual discipline uh, in the series, Knowing God, sorry, Knowing Christ, and Becoming like, More Like Him. So today, starting with um, Surrender, Releasing Your Grip. Um, in the last three weeks, Today being the fourth, so we looked into different disciplines, or if you prefer, you can say practices, if you are more comfortable with that. Um, up, we open up uh, by talking about intimacy, that was by Andrew Dawson, and the, the next one by Steve McCagg was simplicity, decluttering your life, decluttering your life, twi twist on, uh, tongue twist, apologies. And um, last week, um, Silence and Solitude, that's by Dave Brayton. Um, I would encourage you to listen to all those messages if you missed any. Even if you didn't miss them, if you are, you are here, present, I would still encourage you to go ahead and listen to them again, because I'm sure you'll be blessed uh, listening to them. Uh, if I may ask, how many of that practices or disciplines that have started practicing intimacy, silence, solitude, which one? Because uh, there are disciplines that we're supposed to practice. Personally, I've been you know, trying my best and God has been helping me to work on silence. You know, I pray, I like to pray a long prayer at times and um, I forget to, to slow down, keep quiet and listen to what God you know, has got to say. So I've been practicing that in the last few days. So I will encourage you again, the purpose of uh, this message that we hear is for us to put them into practice, right? And um, for us to take actions. And I pray that God will help us as we do so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for today. Uh, today is the day that, that you, God, you've made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Daddy, I pray that uh, the, the speech of my mouth will be with grace, seasoned with with, with salt, and I pray that um, the entrance of your word this morning will give us light and understanding. We pray that you minister to each one of us here today, and at the end, your name shall be glorified. For in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, let's, let's get into it. So when I was asked to, to speak today, or if I could speak today, uh, I received an email. Uh, straight in my mind, I was... Like, I don't think I would be able to, or because of um, some other personal things going on around me, and again, or because of my personal agenda, let me put it that way. That's what I had in my mind, that I would say no. However, I decided to, to get a book uh, online, the book that we're using for this series, uh, written by Charles Swindoll. And I started reading the chapter on this topic, and I've not even gone too far, I think the second paragraph, 
And um, there was a statement there that really jumped at me, right? And uh, right there and there, I knew hmm, there's something about this. I shared it with my wife that look at what this statement says. And guess what she said? Don't you think that is talking to you? <laughs> All right. I read it again and again, and I prayed. Eventually, I said, okay, I will, I will take it on. I will do it. You are wondering maybe what's that statement, right? So the, the author of the book, Charles Swindle, is he, he quoted a, a Bible passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. And this is what he says. In this case, moreover, it is required as essential and demanded of stewards that one be found faithful and trustworthy. It now says further, being trustworthy often means little more than showing up. Simply being ready and available in season and out of season. Let me emphasize that again. Being trustworthy often means little more than showing up. Simply being ready and available in season and out of season. That really got me. And at that point, I decided, okay, I think I'm, I've got to let go my personal agenda. I've got to let go of my excuses of, oh, okay, I don't think I have, I've got the time. I don't think I can do this because of the other stuff I've got going on. Right. Even though it involves sacrifice, but I embrace the opportunity. So my, my question to you, my question to everyone, are you ready to show up when it is convenient, even when it is not convenient, in season and out of season? So Charles Swindon, he goes further and says, before the faithful show up, there is something they need to do before that. Basically, they need to let go. As faithful followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, before we can show up consistently in season and out of season, we need to let go of certain things. Things that may be competing with our time with God, our maker. This is the way um, the book of Hebrew puts it. Hebrew chapter 12. It says, um, well, then I'll, I'll come to that picture later on. Thank you, Keith, right? It says, um, we should do what? We need to lay aside. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So again, my question to you this morning, what is hindering you from being ready and available in season and out of season. Ponder on that. I will encourage you, let go of it. Lay it aside. What is weighing you down? 
let go of it or let it aside. What is the weight that you are holding on to? Stopping you or hindering you from moving or running the race. If you read the, the latter part of that passage, it says, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Whatever is hindering us, whatever is holding us back, whatever is impeding us to run the race, what should we do with it? Lay it aside. Let go of it. We are not called to be a seasonal Christian. Or we are not called to be seasonal Christians. We are not called to be Christians that only serve when it is convenient. Or when it is suitable. Or when we have the time. Or when it is easy. Bible says in the book of Romans 12, 11, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We should not be slothful when it comes to the Lord's business. Remember what the, book of, uh, what the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 also says? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. So the kingdom of God comes first. That should be our priority. Utmost priority. Topmost priority. When it comes to the kingdom of God or the things of God. You may say, what is the kingdom of God? The Bible says again in Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You don't serve or show up only when it is convenient. You show up and be ready and available in season and out of season. When your master, Jesus, is in need of you, Remember what Jesus said when he was about entering Jerusalem. When he said they should go and bring a colt, a donkey. They, they said to him, if they ask, you know, who said we should bring it? The master is in need of it. So if the master, your master Christ is in need of you, you show up and you make yourself readily available in season and out of season. There is a song we used to sing, sing back home in Nigeria. Uh, you may find it funny, right? It goes this way. If it's raining, I will follow Jesus. If, it's, if there's fire, I will follow Jesus. I will follow, follow, follow. I will follow, follow, follow. I'm going to flip it around. If it's raining, will you follow Jesus? If it's snowing, will you follow Jesus? If there is fire, will you follow Jesus? Will you follow, follow, follow? Will you follow, follow, follow? Remember the three Hebrew boys? What did they say to the king? King Nebuchadnezzar. We were not careful to answer you on this matter. We don't care about your, you know, Fairy furnace, right? The God that we serve, right in front of them, fairy burning fire. But what did they do? They followed God right to the end. They said, God, if, you are, if it's going to save us, all well and good. And if it doesn't, it remains God. 
If you are fit and well to come to church on a Sunday, this is me now, and you choose to stay at home or do something else, I would say let go of your agenda. If you are holding on to it, whatever you are holding on to that's stopping you from showing up, release yourself. Submit yourself to God's agenda. Remember, when we come together like this to fellowship, there are loads of benefits that we get. Iron sharpens iron, right? We get refreshed. We get encouraged. You know, we get fed with the word. The list is endless. The list is endless. And again, remember, we are running a race. And the Bible says we should run it with patience. The race that is set before us. You may be wondering, what race are we running? Let me tell us again this morning, we are also joiners here on earth. We are ambassadors of Christ Jesus here on earth. We are from the United Kingdom of heaven. Heaven is our final destination, is our home. This place, the world we are in now, is not our home. We are just passing by. We are sojourners. We are running a race. Ambassadors do what? They represent their countries. They represent the interest. And they seek the interest of their country. However, they return back to their country at the end of their assignment. So we are going back home at some point. So that's why we need to run the race carefully and run it the way we should. So going back to that picture, right? you may be wondering, well, what is that picture? Uh, I, think, I, I believe for some of us from Africa, you may know what that is. So basically, that's yam tuber. I don't know if anybody is familiar with yam tubers, yeah, right? Sort of similar to potato, right? So um, the size or the weight is roughly between 1.5 kilogram on average. It could be bigger than that. Uh, that's a 3.3 if you do pounds per kg, right? Um, they're quite expensive anyway. Like, I think one to buy is around $20 or thereabouts. So there was a story of a renowned late prophet back in Nigeria. So he had a vision. In this vision, he carried some of these yam tubers on his head. And at the same time, he was trying to run with yam, loads of yam tubers on his head. How possible is that? Unfortunately, he couldn't run properly. So eventually, he had to drop the yam tuber one by one until he dropped everything. And at that point, he was able to pick up his pace and run faster. Right. And he woke up. And he said, God, what, what does this mean? What, what, what is the meaning of this? And you know what God told him? However, his favorite food is made with yam tuber. You know, we call it inyo back in Nigeria, where you have to uh, boil the yam and pan it. That's his favorite food. So God told him, if you want to work with me, you need to let go of anything you know, that you call favorite, or that you call this is, you know, my best, this is what I love best. You need to let go of it. 
in order for you to work with me perfectly. Let go of whatever can come between you and me. So that's the way God, you know, spoke to that man. Let go of whatever can come between you and God. Whatever can hinder you from following God's instruction. Now going back to sins or weight that easily besets us. That's KJV. Another version will say entangles, you know, that easily entangles us. What, what, what does that mean? What are these sins? The sin, remember, is very specific. The sin. So it could be something specific to you. Something probably particular to you. Like hidden sins. What you do in secret that no one knows about. That you are thinking, yes, nobody sees you. Like sin of pornography. It could even be white lies and you are saying God will understand. Remember, something that easily besets you, easily entangles you. Could be backbiting, gossip, slandering, envy, pride, lust. The list is also endless. What is your own weight? Or what is that sin? The sin that easily besets you. You need to let go of it. Unbelief is one of the greatest, you know, enemy when it comes to surrender. And all we need to do is we need to trust God to successfully run this race. We need to rely on Him. It's not something we can do on our own. We totally need to surrender to Him. Just like we trust the pilot to fly us to our destination. Just like we trust the car that we drive. You know, you know that when you press the brake, it's going to bring the car to a halt. You have trust in things put together by human beings. What about the God, the creator of, of heaven and earth? According to the author of the book that we use, Charles, so you know, he said this is the toughest discipline so far because it has to do with you know getting rid of something and probably something that we actually love i will talk more about that later however the greatest enemy when it comes to surrender is self so surrender could just like i've used different words synonyms of surrender interchangeably so it could be release give up hand over, let go, and lay aside, and also, yeah, those are the synonyms of surrender. The greatest enemy of surrender is actually, what? Self. It's self. It resists all thoughts of surrender. It resists all thoughts of letting go, laying aside, handing over, giving up, releasing, and again, unbelief is a tough one. Serve, self-interest, self-centeredness, selfishness, you know, me, myself, and I. 
you know, I've got it all covered. Everything is under control. While he's about to when he's about to sleep, when you are getting weighed down. We often fail to go God's way because we have, we've, we've so captivated by our own thoughts. So what are the things that we need to surrender? I already mentioned um, quite a number of things that we need to surrender, but those are basically, you know, things that are unpleasant, right? Now, these are things that we actually love, that we need to surrender. Before we look into those things, which are called uh, four Ps of things that we need to surrender, I want us to look at a passage on the screen, Proverbs chapter 3, from verse 5. And make sure, please reflect on that passage, think on that passage, before we start talking about things we need to surrender. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall what? Direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be hurt to your flesh and strength to your bones. Keyword there, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This passage is very crucial when it comes to surrendering. Trust in God is all we need to release our grip on anything we are holding on to. And the first thing I will tell us that we need to surrender is our possession. We need to surrender our possession. You may be wondering, what, what is he talking about? My possession. This, this go, the list again goes on. Your car, your house, your motorbike. Anything and everything you have. But what do I mean by surrendering it? Basically, you need to declare the Lord the owner of all. You need to release them to God. That God, you are the owner. You are the source of all these things. If you have not, I will encourage you to do that. You need to see that God is the source and the provider of all. I'm not saying give away your house, give away your car. But however, if there, is the, if there is the need, maybe there's a missionary around and um, they need, we need to accommodate the missionary, should be, you know, be able to kindly release your house to accommodate missionaries. Or maybe there's a need for house fellowship or Bible study. Should be willing and ready to let go for people to come and, you know, work fellowship together. It shouldn't be a difficult decision to make if you already declare the Lord as the owner. And of course, the owner can ask for it at any time. With the trust, with the assurance that he would not leave you hanging. And that is the reward of those who would, who would diligently seek him. Do not idolize your possessions. Do not. I will encourage you. I personally, you know, before we left the UK, uh, we, we, we received the instruction, uh, the car we, we used to drive, to, to sew it, to give it to, to somebody. And before then, I was thinking the proceeds 
we go into the preparation, into the planning, because we needed a lot of money to come over here. But when we received that instruction, we what? We let go of that particular possession. Because it was the instruction from the Lord. Remember, whatever we sacrifice for the Lord attracts a reward and surprise. But we are not doing it because of the reward. That's one thing again I want to highlight. You are doing it because you trust God. Amen. This is what Chaswinan says. We will never become like Christ as long as possessions mean more to us than they should. Going on to the next P, which is position. We need to surrender our position. This is especially for those in position of authority and power, right? Releasing your grip on your position and tiring. Release your ego and stop wrapping it around your role. Do not abuse your position. We've heard it here quite a number of times. The power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. If God says to you today, that leave that job that you love so much, what will you do? You know what, Paul, what Christ said to uh, Peter and Andrew when he met them, the fishermen? He said, come follow me. And what? I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they dropped you know, their profession and they followed Christ. If you are Peter, if you are Andrew, or if Christ said the same thing to you, what will you do? I know definitely will be concerned, which is normal. You know, survivor. How are you going to survive? How are you going to cope? How are you going to live? How are you going to maintain your, you know, your living standard? All those thoughts will come. But this is where trust comes in again. You know, remember that it says it will supply for all our needs. According to what? According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Your security is, in, is not in your job. It's not in your identity. No. Your contentment is in Christ is in the Lord. I know of some people who trained as um, professional doctors, lawyers, good job, good salary. But when God called them into ministry, they let go and they obeyed the call. And today, they are reaping the benefits. But they are not doing it for the benefit, but because the trust they have in God, they surrendered. Deliberately refuse to allow any position or title to determine who you are. Let it go. Number three thing we need to submit. Plans. Our plans. It's a good thing to plan. I do it. Actually, in my profession, I'm a project manager, so I do plan on a regular basis. And in my house, every year with my wife, we do our yearly plan before the new year starts. By December, towards the end of December, we sit down together and, okay, what do we want to achieve or what are our goals for the coming year? We do that. It's very important. However, do not let your plan, you know, go against the will of the Lord for you. Or make, make sure you align your plans with the will of God for your life. And if God is telling you, drop your plan and, you know, accept my own plan, are you ready? Are you willing to let go of that plan? Or do you want to stick to your plan? James chapter 4, verse 13, this is what it says. 
Now listen, what you say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Number four, people. Surrender your people. Again, you may be wondering, my people, what was what, what it talking about? This is mainly for parents. However, it applies to everyone, husbands, wives, siblings, friends. Parents should see their children as a gift, heritage from the Lord. Uh, thank God, last week we had a dedication Sunday where we saw some three parents here dedicated their children to God in, in acknowledgement that they are from Him. I remember when we had Deborah, uh, our first child, back in the UK, right Immediately when she was born in the delivery room, what I did, I took her and I lifted her up straight to God. I presented her back to God. I dedicated her to God. I said, God, thank you for this gift. I give her back to you. I dedicate her to you. Please use her as you please for your glory. And I pray that if she would know you, she will serve you all the days of her life. We also did like 40 days after, we also took her to church and did the same thing, right in the presence of the people of God, just like we did there last week. Same thing was done with Joshua, you know, taking them back to God because we are actually caretakers. They belong to God. They are gifts from God. So we need to see our children like that. And if God already, if he has a plan for them, I will encourage us, let's nurture them in that direction. And not our own agenda, our plan. It's very common, especially from where we come from. Parents will want their kids to be doctor, to be engineer, to be lawyer, and this, right? But is that what God wants them to be? It's good that, we, that our kids, you know, have good profession. But what is the Lord's will for them? Remember the story of Abraham? I'm not going to go into it, right? When God told him to sacrifice his only son. This was a man that was waiting, that waited for so many years to get a child and eventually got a child and God now told him to go and sacrifice that child. What did he do? He obeyed. He let go of his grip. Now, the next question is, uh, how, do I, how do I surrender? Yes, you've told me, okay, I need to surrender, you know, some certain things, but how do I surrender? So there are two prescriptions to this. We have two prescriptions. Just like, you know, you, you go and see a doctor and um, they prescribe a medication after the diagnosis. And they usually strongly recommend, thank God we've got doctors there, that use your medication, use your drug for the entire duration, right? Which they, they prescribed it for you. If you want to see results, if you want to see improvement. So number one action We'll get that from the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We need to study Christ. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, looking unto Jesus, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus because what he is the author and the finisher of our faith. You want to become more like Christ? What do you do? You study his life. You look into unto him. You fix your eyes on him. He already ran the race. He's the author and the finisher of the track. He knows it. From, he knows the hand from the beginning and he knows the hand from the beginning as well. He surrendered his own will to his father. Remember what he said on Mount Olives before he was captured? Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy be done. As our example, he molded trust in the father. He came to the world just because of us. So we can be reconnected back to God. He made a huge sacrifice. He let go of his glory. He let go of his honor. He let go of his divine power. He let go of his, you know, of his beautiful heaven. For our sake, he made a huge sacrifice. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened us his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his shares is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Focusing intently on Christ naturally results in a lifestyle of greater and greater selflessness. Christ was meek, he was lowly, he was accommodating, he was hospitable, he was compassionate, he was caring, he was loving, he was a giver, he was an helper. He was a healer, he was a restorer, he was a peacemaker, he was everything. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 says, let's hear this, Philippians 2 verse 5. This is what Paul says. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but what didn't think so much of himself. This is message version. That he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all, he didn't do that. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became a woman, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. And this is the reward. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything, even so that all the created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all, to the glory, to the glorious honor of God and the Father. Hallelujah. Number two, we can skip the next. And um, yes, number two, what do we need to do? Again, you know, how do I surrender? Basically, we can find that in the, in the next verse, Hebrews chapter, chapter 2, verse 3. It says, just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose earth. So what do we need to do? We need to consider and meditate on Christ. This is different from studying Christ. 
Studying Christ is about understanding Him. And this one is about measuring yourself against His experience, against His examples. If you are to be Christ, what will you do? Or think about this. What will Christ do? If you find yourself in any situation, ask yourself that question. What would Christ do? What would Jesus do? Whenever you have to surrender something comfortable or something familiar for a greater good, compare that with what you are surrendering to what is surrendered. Let me tell us this. Whatever we have to surrender can never be greater than what is surrendered. He surrendered his life. Remember, we, we heard the songs that, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the worship people, the, the song they sang this morning. You know, it's all about surrender. We heard about what Christ did. You know, whatever we're going to surrender or whatever you have to surrender can never be greater than what is surrender. He surrendered his life for you and I. Keep Jesus as your standard. That's my encouragement for somebody today. You can compare and imitate him. You know, what will he do? Only Christ molded godly selflessness throughout his entire life while others seek to preserve them. You know, that's what we do. We want to preserve our own lives. Think of, um, talk of war. I'm wrapping up now. Talk of war, what do we do? I don't know if you've done it, that game before. You try as much as possible to hold on tightly you know, keep a tight grip on that rope. And while you are doing that, you know what? You are growing weary if the opponent are as, as strong as you. You are getting worn out gradually. Your grip will fail at some point. And you've been clutching to it for too long. That's exactly what some of us do. You know, we hold on tight, right, to our problems. We hold on tight. You know, to even offer forgiveness. We hold on tight to that responsibility that, yes, we can do it all by ourselves. We can manage it all by ourselves. Meanwhile, we are growing weary gradually. We are getting tired. We are getting worn out. That problems, or those problems, too great for you to solve. I'm encouraging you this morning. Let go of it. Remember, Christ cares for you. Cast your care upon him. Cast your burden upon him for he cares for you. That responsibility that is too heavy for you to shoulder, let go of it. Hand it over to Christ. He will hold it tight. Remember the song we sang again. Do not let it rip you from your weariness. Release it to God. He will take care of you. Perhaps You are listening to me today and you've not actually surrendered your life to Christ. This is an opportunity for you, you know, to make him your personal Savior and Lord. This is an opportunity for you to surrender her to Christ. This message is for you and it's for everyone. In conclusion, this is what the author of the book says again, that surrender result in surprises we could never otherwise experience. And the greater the struggle to surrender, the greater the surprise.
the greater the struggle to surrender, the greater the surprise. I pray that God in heaven will help us all in the name of Jesus. Can we say this prayer together? That's the prayer that I will encourage all of us to say together, especially for somebody who would like to surrender their life to Christ, right? This is a powerful declaration, you know, that I will encourage us to say together. If you don't mind, if you can stand, and let's, it's a prayer of commitment that we are surrendering all to God. We are releasing whatever we are holding on to, our grip, we are releasing it. You know, and we are giving it over to God. If we can say that together powerfully. God, I give you my possession, my position, my plans, my people today. I declare you are the Lord and owner of all. I give you my work, my money, my debt, my ability to earn. I relinquish my trust in myself, people the stock market, and my job. I cast all my cares and burdens upon you today, for I know you will take care of me. I declare you are the Lord of all. And so, I trust you with everything, believing that you are able to supply for all my needs, according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus.